Amen. Okay, don't check out on me, all right, just because I'm talking about tithing and giving. Because why in the world would pastor want to talk about these kinds of things? Now, now listen, I have said for just about all of my ministry life, this is, this is an area that I don't speak enough about. And part of it's because a lot of people out there think that's all the church is concerned about. You know, but, but, but here's the truth right here, okay? Is that if I knew that you liked ice cream, and who doesn't? Come on, somebody, right? You know, if I knew that you absolutely loved ice cream, and I knew right around the corner there was a guy who was giving away free ice cream cones, and I didn't tell you about the guy around the corner giving out free ice cream cones, and you found out later that I knew about it, and matter of fact, I went around and got four or five of my own and got some for all the family, you'd be really ticked at me, wouldn't you? Come on, say amen. You'd be ticked at me. Oh, you know, you're going to get to heaven one day, and if you get to heaven and you miss the few times a year that I preach on tithing and giving, you miss those, you're going to get to heaven, you're going to find out about all the blessings because I, I really believe, I believe, the Word of God talks about it. You just see the blessings that God has, that there are so many blessings that we have, we have yet to even, even get to us. I, I, I believe that almost it's like there's going to be a storeroom with your name on it, and God's going to open the door and say, look, here's all the blessings you didn't get that you could have had. And when you get there and you see it, you're going to say, and pastor, you knew these were mine and you didn't tell me about that. And so you didn't tell me that if I would do these kinds of things, like we preached the Ten Commandments not too long ago and not necessarily live by the Ten Commandments, but by the rules that are, that are there, the, the instruction that is there that is in our heart. You, if you'd have told me that, pastor, I could, have, I could have gotten to some of these. If you'd have told me about tithing and giving, that I could have gotten to some of these, you're going to be ticked at me. And you know what? You're not the only one. It's because I've got to give account to God. And not just that I tell you, you need to do this, I want you to understand the powerful blessings that are there. And you're going to see these today. You're going to see there are powerful blessings that are there when we are obedient to God, not just in tithing and offerings and those kinds of things, but yes, there too. You can't be obedient in some things and not in others. You know, just my, my, my eyes kind of fell on a couple of young parents uh, out there in, in the congregation. And uh, I just got to thinking about it, it's like, like with your own little kids or your big kids, if you've got, you know, big kids. It's like, you know, they, they can obey you in nine things in the day, and they can just do that one thing, that one thing that is the absolute, the most important thing and not honor you in something, and it just blows everything else that they did the, day, the rest of the day. And, and it's not because, you know, that maybe we need to praise them nine times and then just get on to them one time, but it's a fact of that even though they did those things, they just did those things because they had to, but when it came down to the heart of the issue and the desire, do I want to do what, what, what my mom and dad is telling me to do or no, I want to do my own thing and out of rebellion they do that, then it just kind of negates everything else that they've done all day long. It's the same with us. It's the same with us when, when, we, when we do things just to check off the list. Got it done, got it done, got it done, got it done. And we get to the thing that is really about our heart, really about how, and really about our attitude. And we say, ah, no, I'm just doing it my way, God. It kind of throws away everything else that we've done. You know, and, and, and here's the, re the reason this is so important. is because your blessings are dependent upon being obedient. Your blessings are dependent upon, uh, upon not being rebellious, but, be, but being accepting of the direction that he's given. So, so let me show you some of these things today. So tell you 10, top 10 reasons that we get. Because this world, you know, the more secular our culture grows today, the farther they get away from God. I mean, because people that are growing up today aren't growing up with the same 
biblical and scriptural knowledge and even, even given the heart for God that were just a, a few generations ago or just a, a few decades ago. And the farther they get away from it, the more they want to know, why in the world do you people show up on a Sunday morning and you do these things you do? And then you give your money that you work for? Why do you do that? And so, so you know, and as those people come in, and that's who some of you are, is you weren't raised that way. And you say, why do people give in this way? I, I, I want you to see. I want you to know. And the first four are really easy because I meant to, to find. I meant they're in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, 11, 12. So let me show you th these first four and then we'll move on uh, to some others. But the first thing, first reason we give is, is that we give so there will be bread in our church. God says, this, this is God's word. That's why, it's got, that's why I made sure to have quotes up there. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, now what God was talking about then, the storehouse or the, the house of God in this complex that was the house of God, like, you know, we, we've kind of got a room here, but we're, we're renting those rooms across the hall too. So we got a complex as well. And so he says, bring the, bring the, the, the tithes into the storehouse. Now the tithe then wasn't always, most of the time it was not money. It was, it was like if they raised crops, a 10% of that they would bring. If they raised, you know, if they had grain that they had made into flour, they would sometimes bring the flour. They'd bring 10% of that. If they, if they had 10 sheep born, they would bring one of the sheep. So they would bring these things. He says, so you bring these things so that there will be bread or there will be food or there will be nourishment in my house. And that through this, these were the things that God used to be able to take care and make the, make the house of God actually function and actually work. Some that would, would produce oil they would bring 10% of the oil. They would use the oil then that also would mix in and, and be able to use to, uh, to, for the ceremonies that were done there in the house of God. Okay, so, so that's all that Old Testament stuff. What does that have to do with us? This is the storehouse, and God says, when you bring the tithe to the storehouse, there's food in my house. And think about it. There is food in the house today because somebody brought their tithes last week. You just saw a, a, an advertisement. It's, it's really an advertisement that we need some help in our, in our kids' church. So listen, don't, don't get nervous. So if you're not called to, to work with kids, we don't want you to work with kids, okay? We absolutely don't want you anywhere near kids' church if you're not called to do that. But if you're called, we need you. You just saw that. But you know what? There are kids right now today that are hearing a Bible lesson. They are, they are lifting God up. They are learning about praise and worship. They are spending some time with, 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 with a, an adult Christian who is pouring into them the Word of God. And you know why? They're over there in a room that has been rented from the funds that have been given th through tithing of the people of this church. The, and, and these adults that are over there today, they got on these, those cool shirts. You've seen those 315 shirts? And they've got on those cool shirts. And, and the reason they've got those shirts is so that you know they belong back there. They've been trained. They, they, they're called to do this. This is, this is their heart. And, and those shirts, I mean, the, you know, they didn't give them to us for free. Somebody had to buy them. You know where the money came from, don't you? It was from the funds of the tithes that have been there. And, you know, the, the supplies there, the curriculum that they're teaching from, where did it come from? Yeah, you guessed it. It came from the fund where the tithes have come from. And, and like, here we sit today and, and we're, you know, we got air conditioning. You, you know, the city of Gardendale, they don't just want us to be cool out of the goodness of their heart. We actually have to pay rent on this room. And you know where the, where the funds come from? Right, from the tithes that are given. Even the coffee that is back there. You know, sometimes there may be somebody that donates some coffee or some, some, some creamer or something, but all of that comes from the tithes that are, here's, here's, here's what is really happening around here, that the needs of the church are met many times before we even know there is a need. 
That we have benevolence needs from time to time. Somebody comes and, and you know what? We, we don't have to, I mean, when's the last time you heard me take up a special offering for something? I mean, maybe, maybe two or three times this year, right? And it was something very, very special. I mean, we've not taken up a lot of offerings for benevolence projects because come, somebody shows up and says, I really need, I really need a hand and, and, and we try to help them with something. You know how we can is because somebody paid their tithes last week. Somebody paid their tithes last month. And because of that, there is food in the house. You are being fed today. You are being nourished today. Some family who doesn't have enough is going to be taken care of today. There's going to be food for them this week. Uh, some kid who uh, doesn't, their, their, their family doesn't have the money to enable them to go on, a, go on a, a trip or an event, and we're going to be able to help them go, go with that because, of, because someone has given, given. And sometimes we do come to you with special offerings, but normally it's something like the van for the, for the uh, orphanage in Romania, uh, you know, or, or the car for or the tents in Italy. And sometimes we come to you, but those are specific things because we want to make sure you're praying about it and thinking about it so that you can be specially connected to some of those kinds of situations. But in reality, we don't have to receive extra offerings. We don't say we need a special offering for, for utility. Let me tell you something. I am blessed to pastor church that I don't have to stand up here on Sunday and say, look, we need a good offering today because utilities sure were a lot last month. Even if they're, thank God, amen. You know, so I got a few hands over here because some of you've been there, right? You've been, thank God for that. And then, you know how it happens? Because people are tithing. That's how it happens. And I thank God for that. Secondly, uh, we, we tithe, or, I'm sorry, we don't tithe, but we give so that there will be open window blessings. This is uh, the end of, chap- of, of verse 10 in chapter three. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Open window blessings. You know, I, I love that uh, scripture that um, Mac read earlier and he talked about how just like the rain, God's gonna show up. Just like the rain, it's going to happen. This, this is a promise God says, and prove me, he says. I'm going to show up in your life. I'm going to bless you. Show me. Just, just, just prove me, God says. And this, this term right here where he says, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour it out. There's another place in Scripture that, that comes to mind when I read that. And I think back in the book of Genesis, that after, after Noah had gotten the ark ready, that the word of God says, and then God threw open the floodgates of heaven, that the waters of heaven just emptied themselves onto the earth, is what he's talking about there. That's the imagery that we get from that, that God just opens the floodgates, and, and it's like every bit, of, every bit of moisture that is in the air just pours out on the earth. And that's what God is saying right here. God talking about open window blessings. He, said, he says, if, if you will do what I'm leading you to do, if you, if you will do what I've called, if you will partner with me in this, God says, I'll throw the windows of heaven open and there will be blessings thrown upon you that, so much that you won't even be able to receive it. Open window, open window blessings, open window blessings. And I know sometimes we, we think, oh man, but God, require, but God doesn't require a lot. I mean, even the 10%, I, you know, you don't hear me say that a lot, right? But that's what tithe means. It means 10%. Even this 10% that God, that God says, now that belongs to me. You give that back. What, what you've got to first remember is, is that everything belongs to God anyway. The whole earth. I mean, on your way home late tonight somewhere, you're out and a drunk driver crosses the median li- middle line and, and you hit him head on. And you leave this earth, what are you going to take with you? You're going to leave it for somebody, somebody else, right? But they're going to leave it for somebody else, and they're going to leave it for somebody. And when all of us are gone, it's still going to be here. 
Or if you're the one that is texting this afternoon because you're running late to your girlfriend's house, quit texting because we don't want you to leave here. But you're going to leave here. When, when you do leave here one day, you're going to leave here because all of this belongs to God. And here's what God does. He says, but I give you these blessings. And I just want you to, I, I just want you to give part of it back to me. Just, just part of it. It's kind of like this. He's kind of like he's got, a, he's got a beach house. And God says, you know what? I'm going to give you the beach house. I just want you to let me go stay in it one month out of the year. How many of you would agree with God? If God would give you a beach house, you'd let God have that beach house for a month, right? That's what he's saying with this. I give you the breath to breathe. I give you the strength in your body. I give you the wisdom. I give you the know-how, the talents and the abilities that you have to work a job, to make a living. And all I ask for you is honor me in 10%. And, he, and, and then when we do that, when we honor him, you know what? He doesn't even, he doesn't even keep the 10%. But then he throws the windows of heaven and he just pours out more blessings than even that that we give back. It's like, no matter how much you have, I, the richest person in this room, no matter how much you have, you can never outgive God. If you gave God every single thing you own today, you will not be paying him back for what he's already done for you because that would be if you gave him everything you have and he doesn't require that, but he requires it of himself because he's already given you the very best that he had. He gave you his son. I mean, if I were to ask you today, all right, here's what you've got to do is you've got to sell everything you have, li go liquidate it, get all the cash together. You've got to sell all of your properties and, and you've got to go mortgage your house and whatever and, and bring, bring a million dollars or give me your son. Give me your firstborn son. If I were to say, this is what was, is required of you today in some contract that you and I had together, which would be easier, Dad? Let me, let me know, which would be easier to mortgage everything you have, to sell and liquidate everything you have and, and give me the money in the, under this contract or to give me your son? Which would be easier? No question about it. It would be much easier to take every single thing that you own and give that in a contract to take care and, and, and hang on to your son. But you know what God did, don't you? It would have been easier for him to send somebody else. It would have been easier for him to give you gold. But you know what he did? Is he, he took the thing that was the hardest to give, to give and, and to give up. He took his own son and allowed his own son to die for you. He's already done the very hardest. So everything else on him is easy now. So get that. It's not that God has a hard time getting you a blessing. He just sometimes has a hard time getting it over us and our attitudes and getting it around us. He's already given us the very best that he has to offer Everything else for God is easy from that point on. Even grace and forgiveness because Jesus died, because he had to give Jesus, everything else is easy. I, I've, got this, I've got this mental picture in my head, and, and if you've been here a long time, you've heard me use this example before, but it's, it's sand pails and bulldozers. Sand pails and bulldozers. You know, just imagine, just imagine one of you guys that's got a little boy, you know, that then you've got a big pile of sand, a huge pile of sand out in your backyard, dump truck just unloaded about four or five loads, and you've got to move that sand around, and, and your little four, five, six-year-old boy or something, however old, he, he, he hears you talking about moving all that sand, and, and so you go rent a bulldozer, right? So you get the bulldozer, and you, you're bringing it back, and you, you, know, and you tell the wife, say, hey, i got to go outside, I'm going to move that sand, and, and you know, you, you're headed toward the bulldozer, and all of a sudden you look around, there's your little boy, and he's got his pail and shovel from last year when you went to the beach, you know? And he's over there and he's filling that sand. He's, fill, he's filling that bucket with the sand, that little pail of bucket. And when he gets it full, you know, he's walking over and he's going to deposit his sand. And he doesn't realize 
that dad, you've got this big bulldozer that you're picking up just, just huge piles of sand and moving that big a time. And you know, th- this is the way it is with us and God. Sometimes we think that we're giving God so much, but what we're doing is we're giving God our little sand pails full. And then he's giving back the bulldozer front end loader scoop fulls on top of our head. And I've just kind of, I've just had this picture in my mind, you know, of, this, of a little boy walking with his little pail thinking I'm doing so much for dad. And right behind him is dad with that big bulldozer full of sand, just waiting, just waiting to pour that out. That's what God's doing. The the, the very best you have is so small to everything that God can give you. And then thirdly, the third reason we give is because we want God to stop the devourer. Uh, Let's read verse 11 and I'll talk about that. And I will rebuke the devourer, God's saying, saying this. I will rebuke, I will stop the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. I, I, I will stop the devourer. Do y'all, do y'all get, get the symbolism here to your own life? I mean, there's, there's also a place in Scripture where, where, uh, where it talks about how we, we, we work hard and we get just a little, even, even the little bit that we get, then we, we put it in bags to take home with us, but the bags are full of holes, and before we get home, you know, it's like falling out before we get to the place. Does it ever, does it ever feel like that's what you're doing as you're working, you're striving, you're doing all that you can, and it's like you're just putting everything you can get, you're just putting into, it's like, you know, your, your checking account, you know, it's just got holes, it's just running out faster than you can put it in. God says, I'll rebuke the devourer for you. He says, if, you, if, you'll, if you'll partner with me in this, if you'll be obedient, if, you'll, if, if you and I can be together on this, because, because see, here's the difference, is all you know how to do is put it in, but you don't know how to stop. But God, who is the, who is the God of this universe, he is the God over the devourer, and whatever is devouring, he says, I can stop this if you'll partner with me. I can make this end, I can make that And then he also talks about how the vine falls too quickly. You know, you know, about, vine, you know about fruit falling off the vine too quickly? God says, I'll stop the, the fruit from falling off your vine too quickly. You know that business deal? That you never even got it off the ground because, and it just, just fell flat. Looked so promising, just like fruit on a vine. Oh man, I'm, I'm gonna have some awesome tomatoes here in just a couple of more weeks. But, and then they fall off the vine, just like a business deal, or just like that idea that you had, or, or, or just like that, that, that connect, that you, you made a connection with someone that, that is going to be an awesome customer for you. So the sale was about to come through, and it fell apart. And you don't know what went wrong, and you don't know how to fix it, but God says, I know how to fix it. I know how to stop the devourer, and I know how to keep your fruit from falling before it's, before it's supposed to fall. I know how to bring your fruit to fruition, to completion. So God says, partner with me in this and I'll do it. And, and then the fourth thing is we give so that we will be obviously blessed. Uh, verse 12, and all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Obviously blessed. There's one thing to be blessed and there's another thing to be obviously blessed. I mean, you, you ever maybe been somewhere and somebody kind of pretty walks in maybe to the room, you know, to the restaurant or whatever. Somebody, maybe you're at a restaurant, somebody sits at the table and says, wow, she really is pretty. I try to not say those kinds of things, you know, just because, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of conjecture that kind of brings up. But, I, you know, wow, she's pretty. You know, and, and, and when someone who is obviously pretty, you know, they, they have other people tell them, you know, you are pretty. Okay, I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble right here, but I, I just gotta do it, one, one because it, um, it fits in the sermon really well, and secondly, because it'll just kinda get me some brownie points maybe a little later this week too. 
is my wife met a lady for the very first time this past week. And you know what that lady said to her? She said, you are pretty. I mean, just meeting her out for the first time. And she just looked at her in the face and said, you are so pretty. And I just have to agree. My wife is so pretty. But you know what? You know, when, when people tell you you're pretty, you are obviously pretty. When you have to tell other people you are pretty, when you have to, when you have to say, can I have everyone's attention in case y'all hadn't noticed? <laughs> My hair looks really good today. <laughs> you know, I don't know if y'all noticed this shirt or not. <laughs> when you have to tell people, you probably aren't, <laughs> okay? <laughs> And if you, you know, I, and I know we need, to blo- we need to honor God. We need to tell God how much. We need to tell everybody else, I am so blessed. Man, I have been blessed. By so- and, you know, God has blessed me. But you know what God is saying? God says, I'm going to take you beyond that. I'm going to take you to a place where you're going to be so obviously blessed. People are going to look you in the face and say, wow, you are blessed. You're going to walk in a room. Somebody's going to say, man, look at those blessed people. And, and you say, well, oh, well, this kind of sounds like a selfish reason to do this, doesn't it? Oh, just go ahead. God's okay with us being a little bit, not really selfish, but being a little bit here. Because you know what happens is then when we do this and God obviously blesses us, they don't look at Rick Hand and say, man, Rick Hand is some awesome dude because he is, he is so blessed. Look how blessed he is. And it's because he is some awesome dude. You know what they're doing? They're saying that preacher of that church, you know, he is really blessed. He must be there must be something about this God that he serves. Those people that, you know, they're, they're a little weird or a little different, you know, that 2911 crowd. Man, I hear, I hear a lot of the, and you see, and the, man, they are so blessed. They don't say it about, it's about God. And so God gets the credit and the glory for that. He wants us to be awesome, awesomely blessed, obviously blessed. He doesn't want us to be obviously unblessed. I mean, what does that do for him when people say, look at those people? They go to that 2911 church, they ain't never got nothing. You know, they ain't never blessed. They ain't never happy. God gets no great, no glory out of that. He wants us to be awesomely, obviously blessed. So do it, you know, so it sounds like it's a, a little bit self-serving here, but do it for God. You know, do it so that you can get blessed so God can get honor, he can get glory, and he can get credit for it because he wants to do that for you. That even your enemies, this is what he's talking about, is he's saying that even those around you, like your enemies, well, say, you know, they, they, they'll get ticked too. But even your enemies will recognize that you are blessed. So obviously blessed. So obviously. There was, um, there was a quote. I got to use a quote here for one of these from Anne Frank. If you don't know who Anne Frank is, if you do not know who Anne Frank is, Google that, okay? And I, I, we don't talk about enough of these kinds of things. And you need to know, if you don't know who Anne Frank is, Google it this afternoon. Find out who Anne Frank was. We give because, her quote is, no one has ever become poor by giving. You think about that. Nobody has ever given themselves into the poorhouse. But we become rich through our giving. You know, if you're struggling, you might, you might say, well, I just don't know what, what else to do. Try giving. Try putting something in God's hands because it's next one I'm gonna give you in just a minute. You're gonna see what I'm talking about here. But try putting something in God's hands and see what God can do with it. Because, you know, the more you hoard and the more you hold on, really the poorer you become. You don't become richer by taking more. I mean, the, the, the richest person in this room is not the one with the most money in their checking account. The richest person in this room is the one who has given, who has impacted, who has changed who has challenged, who has championed, who's been a hero 
the one with the most friends, the most people that they have rescued, the most people who look at them and say, wow, you are obviously blessed. Those are the people. We are rich because of our giving. And the, the next one is the reason we give, I think this is number uh, six, the reason we give is so that our money doesn't hold us. You see, if you hold on to anything too long, it just gets its roots down inside of you. The power of the ring. How, how many of you Lord of the Rings fans here? Any Lord of the Rings fans here? I mean, did you see that little, little phrase there, the power of the ring? And you said, whoa, we're going to talk about Lord of the Rings. That's some big power, isn't it? I mean, little golem, poor little guy, little precious, you know, little, oh man, this poor little thing. I mean, he, was, he wasn't just under the power of the ring. I mean, I mean his... His, his, everything about him from the inside out was so under the power of the ring. Let me tell you about another person that had to deal with the ring. Not the same ring, okay? Uh, not Lord of the Rings there, but Randy. Guy named Randy. Uh, not even more than, just, just let me call him Randy. Randy had fallen on hard times. Randy, Randy couldn't find a job, and, and so finally Randy uh, really kind of was making a, a living. He was getting by by collecting aluminum cans and selling them. He's making about $25 a day. And I don't know how many cans you got to collect to make $25 a day, but it sounds like a whole lot. And he was just getting by with 25. Okay, now, now listen, I know I got to be careful here with some of you because some of you are going to say, Pastor said I didn't have to have a job. I could just collect cans and just try to get by, maybe move back in with mom and dad. And I, that, that, that is not what the pastor's saying, but here is what the pastor's saying. If you can't find a job and you have to collect cans to put food on the table and, and diapers on the baby and formula in the bottle, then you go collect cans and you do whatever is necessary to make a way for you and your family to get by in this world. That's what the pastor's saying about that. Okay, but Randy, one day he found a cell phone and, and uh, he, he was able to somehow track down the owner of the cell phone when he handed it to him. They were so, so excited to get the cell phone that they gave him $20. And, and he was ecstatic. You think about it, that was almost a day's wages for him. You know, because he normally makes about 25, that's 20 bucks that he got. He was ecstatic. And, 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 and here, here, here's something we need to learn from Randy. This is, this is, this is not the main point, this is the su little sub point here. Is we need to learn again in this culture that we live in, we need to learn about enough. You know what enough is? This, this culture we live in today, we don't know what enough is. They ain't no enough. No matter what we got, it ain't enough. I got to have some more. But Randy knew the truth about enough. And if I've got enough, I'm blessed. If I, if I got to eat, because we, we ch we're chasing after and chasing after. And so what ends up is all of our prayers are about getting our enough. In reality, we had enough a long time ago. We just need to change. Here, here's, here's, here's really the, the main part of Randy's story for me is another day that, and my understanding is he, he got this out of the dumpster, okay? And I'm not encouraging anybody, hey, if you lost your job, you got to hit the dumpsters this afternoon. I'm not saying that, but this is what Randy found himself doing. And then looking through, looking through some trash, he found a ring, a little diamond ring, white gold, Five modest diamonds in it. Not, not big, huge, but, but five modest diamonds in a white gold setting in a ring. So you know what happened then, don't you? Yeah, he pawns it right, and he lives neats like a king for about a month, right? And then he's poor again. 
No. He takes the king over to, uh, I'm sorry, takes the ring over to his, uh, his uh, niece's house. She was like a daughter to him. And he takes the ring and he gives it to her and she puts it on her finger. And, and she just beams with how beautiful this is. And you know what it does for him too, don't you? It makes him beam. Here, here's, here's this truth right here. Is Randy shows us how little power the ring actually has. You don't get, just get the opportunity to choose if the ring has power or not. You are choosing if the ring has power or not. You don't, you just, it's not just a chance for you. You are choosing how much power the ring or money or, or, or stuff has over you. You choose every day with your attitudes. And what, what Randy got out of taking that ring, that $500, I mean, really, for a guy who's making $25 a day, you think, man, he could take a vacation for a while on that. But you think about it, all the stuff that he probably needs, how quick would he, I mean, really, if you were out of job for a while, how quick would you run through $500 just buying a couple of new shirts and some jeans and maybe, you know, need a new pair? I mean, you'd run through that pretty quick. But, in, and so in, what he was realizing is, I've got this, but instead of this, you know, I go pawn it and get maybe $300 or so for it. But instead of that, he got, he, he got lifelong joy from being able to give to somebody else. And what he did was he made sure the ring never got any power over him. You see, because here's the truth for you, is the harder, the stronger you hold on to money, the stronger it holds on to you. And you have got, and, and so many in our society today, I mean, we don't, we don't even give St. Jude's Children's Hospital anymore. I mean, just, just that dollar, you know? We don't even give that dollar every once in a while to something like that. You know, we, 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 you know, Patting our pockets when we walk into Walmart, you know, that, that one of those tables out front, like, I, I, yeah, I, trying to explain why we can't, no, don't. We don't even do that. This society doesn't even know that anymore about the, about the power of giving. But what we're learning is, is that we're coming under the power of not giving, of selfishness. And we don't receive anymore. But Randy can teach us a lesson today. Don't let your money get a hold of you. I, I dare you, I challenge you. Ask God to show you somebody this week that needs $50. When we pray at the end of this service, I dare you. God, show me somebody that needs $50 this week and see if he won't do it. And see if he can just take a little bit of the power of the ring out of your heart this week. These next three, I'll try to hurry through these if I can. These next three are based on the ways that we give. There are three ways that we give, and the first one is tithing. And we tithe, we give our tithes because it honors God. See, here's the thing is God says, I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you the lake house or the beach house, and I just want you to honor me by one month, let me go stay at one month out of the year. That's what he's saying. He said, so he's giving us all these blessings and all these things. He gives us a, a world to live in. He gives us a house, to, house to, to, to be able to create and make a home out of. He gives us family members to love and to love us back. He gives us all of these things. And he says, but here, I just want you to honor me in the 10%. And so when we don't do that, then we're saying, well, I mean, this is what God has said. Honor me in the 10%. The tithe is holy unto me. Holy means separated. It means doesn't belong to anything else except this one specific purpose. God says the tithe belongs to me. The 10% belongs to me. He says, honor me in this. 
And when you don't honor God in that, when you don't pay your tithes, you are not honoring God in what God has given and blessed you. You know, I uh, uh, can't think of his name, Gateway. Um, Robert Morris, he is famous in our house because we hear him say it all the time because, because of the DVR. We, he is famous in our house for saying there's only two things you can do with the tithe. One, bring it to the storehouse. And two, steal it from God. That's all you can do. Because if God says, this belongs to me, understand what you're doing. You are not honoring him when you don't do that. You say, yeah, but that's Old Testament, preacher. And I've heard people say, because Jesus didn't even talk about it. He didn't even mention tithes. Oh, yeah, he did. He, he did mention tithes. But here's the thing. Is the New Testament is not a, a bunch of laws. The New Testament is like, let's change our hearts. Let's not just do it with our hands, but let's change our hearts. Let's change our attitudes. Let me show you what Jesus did say about it. This is the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 42. And he's talking to the Pharisees. He said, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Y'all grow any herbs? Herb garden? I mean, you know, you've used a little bit of herbs. I mean, you know, it's not a really big, it's not like you can buy a whole, or raise a whole lot of herbs for your house, you know, and you're going to use a lot of it. I mean, you talk about little things. He says, you tithe, and that's what he's doing, is, he, is he, he's pointing this out. You are so careful to tithe from the tiniest income from your little bitty herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Okay, now what Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about let's don't just do things because A, B, C, D, this is what God requires, but let's change our hearts because we also need to be concerned about justice. We need to be concerned about mercy. We need to be concerned about love. We need to be concerned about grace. But what did he say about tithe? He said, yes, okay? So the next time somebody tells you tithing in in the New Testament, you just tell them, no, Luke eleven forty two. 42. Jesus said, yes, keep tithing but I'm taking you beyond just tithing. I want you to change your heart. I want you to change your attitude. It's still there, okay? Secondly, we, 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 we tithe. There's three ways that we give. We tithe, and then secondly, we give offerings. And see, once we give God the tithe that belongs to him, then everything else in my pocket belongs to me. God says, I can have all that. I can, I can decide what to do with it. And, and that's what we do. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. This is mine. It's in my pockets. Each of you decide what you, what you decide to give, not reluctantly or, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay? I don't want to coerce you into giving something above that 10% because that's yours. Everything above that 10 is yours. It doesn't, you know, if you dishonor God, that's, you know, we kind of talked about that. But if you honor God in that, everything else is yours. But now you have the opportunity to do something. You can take the very next dollar and you can give it and you can bless somebody. You can say, God, show me someone this week that, that needs $50. And make me so aware of it, God, that I will know and I will, and I will know that, God, you've told me to do that. And even if they take the $50 and use it in a wrong way, it doesn't matter because I'm honoring you with this. And you choose in your heart right now today, I'm gonna do something special for somebody this week. And God's gonna show me who that person is. And you decide. And you take this money. And, and you know what happens, don't you? When, when you, you give... You're giving with that pail, and you make that little, that little gift. You know what happens with a seed, right? Oh, my goodness, I, I got so much I'd love to preach to you here. You know what happens? A seed, you know, what, you know how big a seed is according to what kind of plant it is, right? But what comes from a seed? Not, not one seed, but many seeds, and not just many seeds, but many fruit, many, much fruit that comes. And it comes over and over and over. And, and so here, here's what you can do, okay? Here's what you can do it, it, is you can... You can keep all of that, that other 90% 
Because you've honored God. You can do that. But you know what? There, there is no fruit to be produced because no fruit will ever come from the seed that is still in your pocket. It can't. I mean, you think about a farmer walking around with a lot of seeds in his pocket, you know? You know, well, uh, well if his pants get real dirty, you know, they get wet, you know, he might get something growing right there in the pocket or something. But, you know, until, until he takes that and he puts it somewhere and you say, oh, yeah, but, but you know, I got to live off of this. But just take some of it and do something for somebody. Purpose in your heart what you need to give and do something for somebody. I just really encourage you, pray and ask God, God, show me somebody I can give 50 bucks to this week, Lord, and just, just let me start getting rid of this selfishness that's coming to this culture today. You know, let me give you this real quickly. I probably ought to save this and really develop it later one day, but let me just throw this at you real quickly. A, corn, a farmer who raises corn, he does not eat all the corn, and he doesn't sell all the corn but he takes some of those cobs of corn, dries them out, and he takes those kernels and he saves them so that there will be a harvest for next year. If you eat all you, if you consume all that God gives you, there can never be a harvest next time or next year. You have, you have to take it and you have to put it in places. That, and you know what, people, then people begin eating then people in, this, in your communities begin receiving. But then also you've got a big blessing coming back to you. And, and thir the third uh, way we give is in missions. And we give to missions to fulfill the Great Commission. And this is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Um, when Jesus says, he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming, he says, after you receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, after it comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. And look what it says in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. In Jerusalem, in your own community, right where you are right now in uh, Judea, in your region, you know, kind of like your area, or the state or whatever, in Samaria, okay, I still, I still kind of part of, of their, uh, kind of of their country, it's still that kind of part of them because uh, the Samaritans and, and the northern kingdoms that lived there, they were their brothers, so it's kind of like their country, and then he says the uttermost part of the earth, so it's like local, state, national, and international, missions that he called them to minister to. And so that's why we give in these ways. We don't just give so that we can have food in the house through our tithing. We don't just give so that the people in our community can have something to eat or can have a great event. We also give because there are people that we will never see that also need us today. And our, our three that we give to, I, I need to throw, I'd, like to, I'd like to talk to you about these and, and need to come back and, and do that sometime real soon. But the Bread of Life Orphanage in Romania, I mean, I don't know how many times a year you hear me say Bread of Life Orphanage or our orphanage in Romania. Some of you need today to just be moved by God to say, it, it, you need to give something to this orphanage. This orphanage has really been struggling this summer, the, the, this year. It's, it's been a struggle for the past few years because giving is down for just about everybody, everywhere. Because of, because of the economy, but because also of, of differences in tax laws and various things that are happening. And, and, and so giving is down, but the orphanage is struggling. And, and that God would move on somebody today to make a gift. And I, you know, maybe you can make a big, huge one-time gift, or maybe you can say, I'm gonna start giving. When I write my tithe check, I'm gonna just add $5 a week or $5 or something like that to, to that. And you'll be surprised at how those little things add up. Imagine if everybody in this room gave $5 a week to the orphanage what that would do to their budget in the year. And I'm not, I'm not asking everybody to do that. I'm just saying, imagine, that's what God does through these things. Or, or the, the Tants who are gonna be home uh, in just a few days, gonna be back with us. These are our missionaries. It doesn't mean that they only belong to us. They've got a lot of churches that are supporting them, you know? 
but they're members of Church 2911. And, and, and when I say that they're ours, even though there are other churches supporting you, you know what? I, I, I just, just, again, last night I was thinking this. I, I've had this thought before, but I thought it again last night, just out of the blue. I hadn't thought of it in a long time. I would love one day for us to totally support their family in Italy. And so every other dollar they raise in any other church just goes into supporting church buildings and, and, and training ministers there in Italy. I would love to do that because they're ours. They belong here at Church 2911. And then the bishops also, Vance and Tracy in South Dakota. Our very first missions trip was there to the Native American Indians. And we planted some seed that, that, that Vance and Tracy and other people, other churches coming in, that they have, they have worked that seed. And, and uh, Cliff and Sharon went back again you know, this past month. And they've just, they've just been back a couple of weeks now. And they were there and working that again. And, and you know what? It's, it's a dark place in South Dakota in the Native American Indian. I don't have time to preach you that message, but Vance needs your prayers. Tracy needs your prayers. And a card or, or again, $5 a week to go to that. You know, these, these are the reasons we give. Is because there needs to be bread in the house. Because somebody needs to be ministered to out there. And there's somebody someplace in the world that I will never meet on this side of eternity that needs Jesus Christ. Lastly, the number one reason that we give, I saved this for last, this is the number one reason I think that we give. I wanna tell it to you when you come to the front with me. Would you, would you stand? And I wanna ask if you will, if you're a first time attender, we'd love to have you join us. We'd like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. And we'd like to have you join us if you will, if you feel comfortable. Okay, thank you, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. We're not, I'm, I'm not gonna receive pledges or anything, okay? It's, it's safe to come, all right? You, you can come on. The number one reason that we give, we give because we own the vision. We own the vision. The vision is ours. What God has called 2911 to do the Baptist church or the Methodist church or the church, they're not coming over here to do it. It is our vision. That's why we give. Look at, uh, I gotta read this quick, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3, 4. And now, brothers, this is Paul writing. He says, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, the churches over in Macedonia. In the midst of a very severe trial, even in the midst of a trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, in their poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. For I testify, Paul says, I testify. I'm telling you this, guys. I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. How do you do that? Only God can help you do that. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They pleaded. They said, we see what God is doing through your ministry, Paul. Please, Paul, let us be a part of what God is doing. They pleaded with it. That's why we give. This is ours. This is our vision. This is what God, this is our awesome thing. You know, we, we talk about how, how everybody has something awesome to do for Jesus. This is our corporate awesome thing to do, is to, is to see these people like these, these praise reports this past week of people saying how God ministered this need and this need and this need, to know that there are kids back there who are learning 
learning what is never, never going to be taught to them in our culture, in our society. You know, only if you teach them at home, you parents, that's the only place. But this, this is what our vision is. And, and, and I got to tell you this, bear with me here, but just, just, just let me say this as much tact as I can, but, but listen, sitting at the table doesn't make you a member of the family. You know, you know, at our house, we sometimes have other people sit at the table with us that aren't our family. They get to enjoy everything that's on the table. But we don't ask them to go provide the meal. We don't ask them to prepare the meal. We don't ask them to set the table. We don't ask them to serve. Because they're guests. They're visitors. This is our thing. This is our place. I'm feeding you today. And if you're a first-time attender, we, we are so glad that you have joined us at the table today. We know you're not part of the family. We know, but we're so glad that you are here enjoying what somebody has tithed and somebody has worked and somebody has given and somebody has sweated and somebody has tried. And so we're so glad that you're here today. You're sitting at the table with us. But I encourage you and I invite you, become a member of the family. And all these awesome things, the, uh, the marriages that are being rescued, those that are taking advantage of the small groups and things, all these things that are happening. And, and listen, I, 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 I get lost and carried away. I want to tell you about all good things that are happening. I, just, I, I want you to know that your labors aren't in vain. And I, I, I invite you, more than invite you, I implore you, please become part of the family. Help us prepare this meal for the next set of people that need to sit around the table next week. Amen. Let me just real quickly say, I challenged you, if you've got a need today, to find a prayer team member. We're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. It ain't over you. You need to find a prayer team member yourself. Okay? If you need a job right now, come over here and shake, shake Russ's hand. Say, Russ, I need a job. And let him agree with you in prayer because the word says we're to agree concerning anything that shall be done. You heard a testimony of a young lady in the church said, I prayed three things last week. Boom, boom, boom. They started happening at first of the week. By Tuesday, all three of them, God was working. You know, you got a family situation, you're under attack, you're whatever it is, you find one of these prayer team members and say, I, and just let them agree with me that this thing is over, okay? You take the steps to do that. Because I want us to pray a prayer, and then Mac and them are going to lead us in a final song. Uh, and I really want you to spend some time with God there just getting deeper and closer to him.